It's me, the Living Tribunal, and I want to know why you're not listening to this week's Midwestern Nerds yet. That's right, folks, you're back for another exciting installment of the Midwestern Nerds podcast. I'm Chad Coffin. I'm Brian Stavel. We're excited to have you here again. That's right, we're the Midwestern Nerds. That's M-I-D-W-E-S-T-E-R-N-E-R-D-S. We are at Midwestern Nerds on Twitter and Instagram. Midwesternerds at gmail.com is where you can get a hold of us. The Midwestern Nerds podcast on Facebook. We are streaming at a multitude of streaming platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Radio Public, Downcast, Pocket Cast, Anchor, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Please like, subscribe, rate, review, share, tweet, Instagram us, whatever you can do to get the word out there. We really appreciate the love. Because what you love is what we love, and we want to share that with the people that you love. It has been an exciting week, but not that much in the way of news. So this week... Before we get into the news flash, can we address that intro for a second? First of all, worst joke of the week. Not just the day, worst joke of the week. I'll take it. Worst joke you'll hear all week. (laughs) Second of all, do the majority of our listeners even know who the Living Tribunal is? No, they don't. (laughs) But... I have what I would like to call, there he is, I have the 2019 Marvel Encyclopedia with, in an introduction by Stan Lee, this is the newest edition, uh, the Living Tribunal, for those of you who don't know it, is a super OP, super overpowered guy in the Marvel Universe. His occupation is like a guardian of the continuum of alternate universes. His base is the multiverse. His special powers and abilities are immensely powerful, can cause a sun to go supernova by firing a single bolt of cosmic energy. So basically, the Living Tribunal has three different faces. One is fully hooded, one is partially hooded, and one is completely unhooded, basically the good, the bad, and the balance in between. Keeping the balance between the multiverses, making sure that there's never too much good or too much bad, making sure that the universes stay in balance as a whole. So he was here this week, making sure that our listeners were doing what they're supposed to and keep a balance of the universe by listening to us. I realize it was a very vague and deep cut reference (laughs) that not a lot of people probably got. But look at that. Including some hardcore comic book fans, because I know... From my comic book reading experiences, I haven't really run into that guy a whole lot, which is funny since he's like the one that keeps balance to the multiverse in general. You see more of the Watcher who's not supposed to do anything more than you see this guy. But I'll devil's advocate that you may not see the Living Tribunal, but you have to believe that with all his cosmic energy, he does often have a lot to do with the things that happen. Because if there's a weighted, if there's an imbalance, like how are we sure that the reason that they figured out time travel in Endgame wasn't because the Living Tribunal just tweaked the scale, you know, a half of a measurement to give it back to that side to make sure that they could bring, you know, you never know. It doesn't have to be written just to be written. The fact, too, that he, like, keeps balance to the multiverse, 
he's got to be showing up soon in the MCU, right? I mean, with WandaVision going on right now, and that tying into the new Spider-Man movie, and Doctor Strange literally being called Multiverse of Madness, he's got to be showing up there. I mean, MCU hasn't led us astray so far with deep cuts. One, two, like, regardless of how they've used them or where they've used them to, like, another big, like, a big player, like, a, a big, powerful guy is, like, Ego. Like, they didn't necessarily use him to the fullest of his ability, but they brought Ego into play. If you would have told me after the first Guardians movie or even, let's say, the first Iron Man movie, Ego, the living planet, will eventually show up and be like... And he's going to be a main villain of a movie. Right. And be like, what? what? <laughs> yeah, so... It's interesting to see, but yes, I would love to see the Living Tribunal show up. I talk about him like pretty often, not on this show, but when people talk about MCU and Marvel Comics and things like that, somebody who doesn't show up a ton, but is a really cool character. Like, Where did you come across him? Because I didn't really come across him at all until you brought him up. And then in when I read... Book, back in 2004, <laughs> the original Marvel Encyclopedia, I read front to back. So while I had a good base knowledge of all of my superheroes and Marvel and DC and stuff, when I got the Marvel Encyclopedia as a gift, I went back and read the whole thing front to back. And then I used it kind of as like a reference guide. So when I was reading a specific comic and they referenced somebody or a character showed up, I could flip back. I could show you the book. It's over there on that shelf. There are like probably hundreds of little sticky note tabs that are on the top that have whatever character I sticky noted and then the cliff notes about that character on there. So if I ever needed it while reading a comic book, when I was really diving back headfirst, I always had the like the source material to go back to. All right. So that's when I found the Living Tribunal, and that's when I looked into him more because I thought his character like was really really cool. And then that's why I reference him vaguely every now <laughs> and again, just probably where it doesn't belong, like in this podcast right now. But he's a, he's a really cool character that I wish we would see more of because he's on that level of like like a Galactus. But even more so because he's not a guy who's causing good or bad. He's the one who keeps the balance of the universe. So if Galactus is like an otherworldly bad guy, there has to be the balance, right? So the Watcher keeps an eye on things, but the Living Tribunal is really the one that keeps the balance. He made an appearance in both the Infinity Gauntlet book and the Infinity Wars book. Gauntlet, once Thanos gets the gauntlet... Everyone's trying to take him out, including like all the all powerful like cosmic beings, and he's one that shows up. And Thanos, of course, with the gauntlet, gives him a little spank and shoes him back to the other side of the universe. And then in Infinity Wars, they need his help. He's pretty much just like fuck you, (laughs) like the other way. So that's the only times I've ever seen him in the comics is in those ones. But those were those got pretty cosmic heavy after a while too he's just a cool looking character too because he looks like he would belong as like a transformer almost but he's just a giant shiny gold robot looking guy with then three faces on his head again hooded half hooded and then you know completely exposed so a fun character but one that we don't get to see very often may have seemed like a tangent there but it Definitely gets you set up for what our main topic is going to be introducing tonight. Very informative of an introduction. So with that, we're going to go right into our newsflash. The first thing for newsflash this week is some Spider-Man 3 news. Tom Holland was interviewed recently, and he basically said there's no Tobey Maguire and there's no Andrew Garfield in the Spider-Man 3 movie. 
that you can pretty much take with a grain of salt because Tom Holland oftentimes says too much and gets in trouble. And I feel like now he's kind of trying to course correct and not say anything more by not saying anything. Second off, we got a first look at the Snyder Cut version of Jared Leto's Joker. So Jared Leto is going to be in the Snyder Cut. We don't know for how long, but we got two images released this week of what he's going to look like. And basically, to me, it looks like if the Joker was trying to be like Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw, like he's got that that long robe. He's got the makeup that's like all smeared and weird. And of course, like Hollywood's like, hey, our Jokers all need long hair and messy makeup. <laughs> and our last bit of newsflash news is Sonic the Hedgehog 2 was announced today, officially announced, and it has a current release date of April 2nd, 2022. Cool thing about that was they had the little tails on the end of the 2 logo, so he was teased in the post credit scene of the first Sonic the Hedgehog movie, but now this is kind of our... Uh, confirmation that we're going to get more of Tales. Do you think, obviously, hopefully we get more of Tales. Do you think this will be the movie where they like kind of dive all in and hedge their bets and include more characters? Or do you think they set this up as what could be like a franchise? Put Tales in this one and then like the next one you see like a Knuckles, Amy, like the other characters? Or do you think they go in on it on this one? I kind of hope that they do go in and to have some connectivity to the first one i really hope that it's the same but yet the opposite so like the first movie saw sonic in the real world he needed the help of a human being to get from point a to point b i want him to accidentally follow sonic into the ring portals to go back to his home world when tails comes and gets him so now he's on sonic's world so it's james martin now with sonic tails silver shadow like i'm just name dropping left yep, and right yep. but yeah that would be i I'm all in. We talked about it. It was a, I don't want to say fan servicing. They did service the fans in the way that they came out and were like, oh, you didn't like how this looked? What do you think? And they went back and redid this movie and made it look right. They casted well. I thought Jim Carrey did an awesome job. It was a very fun movie and it was a great kids movie too. Like my son loved it. He thought it was awesome. He's a big Sonic guy. After that movie, the Sonic Pops hit the Christmas list, so yeah. they went right away, and then that's how he ended up getting some. I was never a big Sonic guy growing up as a kid, but now that it's like coming back, we have on the Switch, we have Mario and Sonic go to the Olympics. Nice. And that's a super fun game to play. And then I'm trying to remember what other video game I had them in that I was just like, super all in on shadow because i thought it was so cool that like a black and red sonic adventure 2 is when he first showed up on like the dreamcast but <sighs> now he's been in a handful of different games but yeah he definitely was like the evil clone of sonic like the cool guy yep. like when he came out like everyone was all for shadow including me i don't think we're gonna get him quite yet i think well shadow and silver are very like obscure off off the beaten path. yes they're popular now but i you got to build up to that to that point with them keep, keep it on the base i feel like you bring james marsden in the sonics world of not whole village or whatever they end up calling it mobius i think is what it was called in like the archie comics and then i think it would be fun if everybody was trying to hunt down the chaos emeralds so knuckles that's a good way to introduce him and his character 
because he claims that he's like the guardian of the emeralds. You get Dr. Robotnik maybe trying to get back to Earth by finding, like, hoping that if he gets these Chaos Emeralds, they can transport him back to Earth. Or maybe to boot up Metal Sonic. Good way to bring in Metal Sonic. Yeah, I, I want more Robotnik. I want James Marsden in Sonic World. I want Sonic and Tails. Knuckles would be cool in there, as well as, like, Metal Sonic. It sounds like a lot, but I feel like that'd be a good balance for a second movie. It sounds like a lot of characters, but if if they follow your premise for your plot, what else are they going to do? Is it just going to be Sonic and Tails and Martin just walking around this giant expansive universe with no other creatures or people or characters there? It's not going to happen. They have to include more people. I think for sure we'll get Knuckles. They kind of set that up with the first movie, the beginning. So when Sonic's owl mom, like gives him the rings and whatnot and they're being attacked that's by like the echidnas like knuckles species so then like there's already that rivalry there like knuckles has to know about sonic if his people are against sonic so that's what i would do with sonic the hedgehog too i guess we're just gonna have to wait and see what happens on april 2nd of next year well, that's not true. Keep tuning in to the Midwestern nerds and you'll get more updates from us. As that's it goes. true. Like, do we that's update true. all the time? They're not going to have to wait that long. We'll, we'll get them taken care of. We will. We will take care of you. Just like we're going to do with our real news story of the week. The big solid news story. So Super Bowl was last weekend. Usually that's when we get a lot of trailers for new movies and TV shows coming out. Wasn't a whole lot of that this year, mostly due to COVID and schedules being up in the air with release stuff. But the one thing that we did get was a new Falcon and Winter Soldier trailer. We got a two-minute trailer, and upon like the first and second viewing, it was a fine trailer. I mean, we talked about it, Chad and I, outside of the podcast, but it seemed like it was not a whole lot that was given. But then as time progressed throughout the week and more people really started to look into this, this trailer subtly dropped some very big hints and clues to comic lore that makes me excited for where the show could go. So I'm going to break down and talk about like the three big things that may not have seemed that big, but could be a pretty big thing. So the first one, we see that Zemo comes back. He's got the purple mask now. I was huge on the hood. It was cool to see his C, you know, she, laser beams, finger quotes, see his character in The Winter Soldier. But seeing that hood, the mask, whatever you want to call it, that really screams Baron Zemo. It's that hood. Like, without it, it, it's an iconic look. You see that and you're like, boom, you know exactly who it is. Yep. And uh, his line in the trailer was was along the lines of, like, superheroes, like, shouldn't be ex- a thing that exists in the world. Like, I need to finish my job or whatever. Okay, cool. I'm wondering, like, what sparks that? Maybe it's Endgame. Like, the events that happened with Endgame and the blip and everybody going away for five years. No, the Guessing thing that... maybe that that's how he gets out of prison, too. If... Yeah, but the thing that brings it back is he's like... I'm going to act like a tough guy now because Captain America is 190 years old. 
like it's easy for Baron Zemo to come back now that basically Captain America's lackeys are the only guys who are in charge of protecting things. It's true, but the whole like superheroes line was what kind of gets me. Like maybe he's like, I'll start with the small guys and work my way up. You never know. I'll give you that. An interesting thing that I never really put two and two together with this is, so there's two different Zemos in the comics. The original is Heinrich Zemo. He was Baron Zemo during World War II. He was like Cap's second big bad next to the Red Skull. But then once World War II is done, eventually he gets old and dies, you know. But he does have a son whose name is Helmut Zemo, which is the name of MCU Baron Zemo. So I'm wondering, we get the hood in this series now. Are we going to get some kind of ties to past World War II or OG Baron Zemo and like the son realizes his lineage and is taking that as his inspiration to further his plot. It would be interesting this to go down that route to see what actually happens with that because the reason why his son wears the hood in the comics is to carry on his father's legacy and his image and his ideals. Unless something happens to his face in like episode one or two, like what's the reason of wearing the mask, you know? Right. So. Because if that would have been the driving force, he would have been wearing it all along. Exactly. So I'm hoping that we get some, some OG Heinrich Zemo. The next big thing is the same clip that you saw in the first trailer. You see Captain America running on a football field. For your general audience, that is Captain America running on the football field. For your comic book audience, however, we know that this is actually U.S. agent whose real identity is John Walker. He briefly filled the role of Captain America in the comic books after Steve Rogers cuts ties with the government before eventually adopting his own superhero identity. So Cap's like, nope, not with the government and their ideals and whatnot. So I'm going to be my own guy and I'm going to become nomad. And then... U.S. government's like, we need a Captain America, and they bring in U.S. agent. Very certain that's where it's going to go in this show, and we're going to see Bucky and Falcon kind of trying to get the shield back for themselves. I still think it's kind of up in the air which one is going to wield the shield, if either of them will at the end of this series. Well, because even in the trailer, didn't Falcon throw it and Bucky catch it? Yes. So And right away when they announced the show, this is what I talked about. I was like, I kind of hope that they share the shield, that there's not just like one Captain America. Like they both hold that weight. But a big part of Falcon's Captain America arc in the comics is the fact that Steve passes the shield on to him. But the world and the government and society are like, no, you're not our Captain America. And I think that's going to be a big black <laughs> of this series and yeah that's that's part of it but again that, that kind of deals with the times that we're going into and i feel like this is going to be a timely series talking about politics and racism and whatnot it's interesting that u.s agents in this series because this also brings in another villain of this series so in the trailer, we see a bunch of people in black masks with the red handprint on the mask. And you're like, oh, who are they? Are they like Baron Zemo's little henchmen dudes? They're not. They're actually the Flag Smasher crew. So Flag Smasher was Captain America villain in the comics. 
created by the same guy, Mark Grunewald, who creates U.S. Agent. So I thought that was interesting, too. <laughs> like, you're bringing in U.S. Agent. Now you're going to bring in this villain or a form of this villain in the new show. It'd be interesting to see what they take from that original storyline into the show. Sure. So it was created by Mark Grunewald. The Flag Smasher was originally the alter ego of Swiss-born terrorist Carl Morgenthau. There's a character in the new series now, Falcon and Winter Soldier, that's named Carrie Morgenthau. So I'm guessing that's going to be our new leader of this terrorist organization. They're calling them the Flag Smashers in the show, but hopefully they take on the organization that the Flag Smasher runs. So he blames the United States and their ideals and their nationalism. He blames that for the death of his father, which motivates him to become this terrorist that he is. So embarking on a self-described anti-patriotism, the Flag Smasher finds an organization called Ultimatum which stands for Underground Liberated Totally Integrated Mobile Army to Unite Mankind. It's a stretch. <laughs> that is a stretch. You know what that sounds like is, you remember the scene from White Chicks when they're like, TTL, and then like, time to totally kick ass. Yep. That's, in the middle there, I was like, totally, li- that's what I, I just imagine Marlon Wayans in, in, in white face makeup, time to totally kick ass. I'm guessing that's why they're just sticking with Flag Smashers as like the terrorist (laughs) organization because they're like, how are we going to... Man, Marvel loves their acronyms. They do, (laughs) but but at the same time, they're like, how are we going to make this serious with that? So Ultimatum is the group, the terrorist group that he finds, and they basically are going around the world trying to get rid of nationalism. So you get that force and you get Baron Zemo... I feel like they're going to team up together to maybe take out the heroes. Like maybe Baron Zemo teams up with this leg smasher to be like, hey, we, we got to take these guys down because they're the ultimate bad, you know. If you want to take down nationalism, all you need to do is nuke every Walmart and gun shop in the country and you'll take care of it <laughs> in one fall swoop. So. We have two villains now in this series. It's like the main thing that you can take away from that with a little bit of background information from the comics. Another thing that they showed in this trailer was they showed a city with like neon lights, kind of looked like a like a Japanese type city. And a lot of comic book fans are wondering if this is the introduction of Madripoor into the MCU. So in the comics, it's basically Moss Eisley for the Marvel Universe. It's a wretched hive of scum and villainy where few heroes dare to tread. It's like the safe haven for any bad people. It's like Singapore where it's a small nation army that's comprised of one city. Um, it was founded by pirates and filled with corruption at every level of the government. Majapur is a safe haven for every criminal and supervillain who doesn't want to worry about international extradition. It also happens to be a frequent stomping ground for a mutant favorite, Wolverine. That makes sense. So, as it is, Wolverine, Captain America, and Bucky all have a very long shared history together. Logan fought alongside Captain America in World War II with Bucky and then encountered the Winter Soldier during the Cold War. 
the animated series X-Men Evolution even introduced the idea that Wolverine and Captain America were among the soldiers who rescued young Magneto from Nazi concentration camps. Would be a fun flashback to maybe see that. So yeah, all of those different flashbacks that we can get with that. You could also just tie in like, it doesn't even have to be a full cameo. You know, it could just be like, oh, hey, here's like this guy with claws that's going around causing trouble on Madripoor. Like, well, and as uh, we've seen as of late in another uh, Marvel based Disney Plus show, it has opened the door for opportunities like this. It has. And that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> Another interesting thing that I that I learned while going through this research that I did was that Wolverine and Captain America are part of the same program in the comics. So Weapon X and Project Rebirth are both offshoots of an organization called Weapon Plus. Did you say Project Afterbirth? Project Rebirth. Oh, I was say, <laughs> gross. In Grant Morrison's new X-Men, he revealed that Wolverine's Weapon X codename actually stands for Weapon 10, and Captain America was the original Weapon 1. Whoa. You can bring in lots of different... That's pretty sweet. Wolverine and Captain America, and even just Winter Soldier, too. Because I was going to say, very... wouldn't that make Bucky fall maybe somewhere in there? Yes. So they're all very well connected in history and what fun way to maybe have a cameo or a mention of our favorite furry claude so mutant you, you have a favorite you have a favorite furry brian you yes have a he's furry? got claws okay. he's a mutant it's a preference yeah i don't judge some big mutton chops too I'm, I'm, whatever you're into <laughs> man whatever you're into so those were the big takeaways from that two minute trailer they were very quick flashes in that trailer too like couple seconds but you give those couple seconds and people can really dig and theorize of what we could potentially see in this show it was something that didn't get me excited more excited for the show i was already ready for it but now that you've dug into it and you've found more about it it does get me more excited for the show but like you said those small flashes even guys who are balls deep in the Marvel Universe. We did not no, catch we didn't catch first. it at all. No. Nope. It was looking for news to talk about on this week's episode where I was like, holy crap, I missed a lot in that trailer. <laughs> so we will be sure, along with all of our news flash topics, to keep you updated on everything that Falcon and the Winter Soldier has to offer before the show comes out in... March 19th. March 19th. Lead designer and founder Rose Tesheva has been professionally involved in the production and design of custom apparel for over seven years. She has swept floors, operated printers, embroidery machines, been the one behind the computer screens, and email making decisions. She's done it all. Titchy only uses premium brand blanks, so you won't be disappointed by the quality of their products. But for all the environmentally conscious, there is a 100% cotton recycled tea available called Titchy E. Co. All the graphics are used completely original and custom made for the brand. There are new products put up monthly. And for all you skaters out there, Titchy Skate Decks are now available through Board Pusher, a Canadian custom skateboard manufacturer. The link to Titchy's Board Pusher shop can be found at www.titchy.store under the Skate Shop tab. Titchy's hottest selling garment collection is called Fun and Games, which features plastic green army men styled skateboarder toys and the Chicago skyline. 
it's pretty rad. Next big launch is coming in March 2021. Tagline, Titchy Off the Record. Hey folks, I know we love Titchy and we know you love them too, so now's your chance to get him with our promo code NERDS. That's NERDS, N-E-R-D-S, for a 15% off discount for your entire order. Again, that's NERDS, N-E-R-D-S, for your 15% off discount. The website, www.titchy.store, that's www.t-i-c-h-y.s-t-o-r-e. Their social media is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at TitchyBrand. That's at T-I-C-H-Y-B-R-A-N-D. Get out and get some titchy because just like your Midwesterners, they keep it nerdy. So we've been throwing a lot of information at you guys this episode so far. A lot of background comic book knowledge that... You might find handy, you might find useful, you may just find interesting. We're going to continue that trend into our main topic. So we asked our listeners quite a while ago already. Early on in the life of the podcast. Which characters they wanted us to talk about, wanted to know more about, wanted us to deep dive into. Well, basically just their favorites. We wanted to know, we put up Iron Fist and Winter Soldier's pictures and we said, these are our favorites. What are your favorites? Put it out there. Let us know who your favorites are, what you want to know more about, what you're passionate about, so we can let you know what we know about your favorite characters. So we're here now to give you that. So break out your notepads, break out your diaries, whatever it may be. Maybe there's a listener right now who is one of the lucky listeners who provided us with these characters. In addition to that, My wife said she would actually listen to the podcast if we did an episode (laughs) based around one of these characters. So one of the listeners, quote unquote, that offered up was my wife. And the first character that we're going to talk about is Scarlet Witch, also known as Wanda Maximoff, the current star of her own show, but the show WandaVision. This character, we're going to give you a lot of background, whether it's MCU related, so the movies or comic book related. Like I said before, Wanda Maximoff is her name. She has a first appearance in X-Men 4, same time that the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants appears. She is sister to Pietro Maximoff, Quicksilver, who we see in the comics, of course, and then in first appearing in Age of Ultron, if I'm not mistaken, Yep. for the MCU. And then her father of these two characters, do we bury the lead or just do we say it on here or do we leave it alone? Because it comes up a lot in here. You almost have to if we're going into comic book background. We're going into comic book background. If you don't want to know who the father is, then obviously you tuned into the wrong show because this is Jerry Springer, so we're going to tell you who the father is. (laughs) Um, If not, skip ahead for a little while until you get to the channel I checked down. Or Or put this show on pause until WandaVision is over. Yes, because it should develop that or divulge that information. Uh, Father is Magneto. So Magneto fathered these twins uh with a woman who in fear fled because she didn't know what magneto would do with the kids and she put them up for adoption so both of the twins go to transia in europe parents to Django or children uh, of parents Django and maria scarlet witch begins very much harry potter style making weird things happen she doesn't really know why she doesn't know why these things are happening 
but she begins to understand that she's making them happen and there's reasons that they're happening. It really hits an apex in her childhood when she makes a neighborhood home burst into flames. She is basically to the point uh, where she's tied up and about to be stoned to death by the government and the people of Transia when none other than Magneto swings in to save the day and prevents that from happening. This then causes Scarlet Witch to realize that, oh, he's the he's a good guy, blah, 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 I'm here to help him. So she actually joins up with Magneto uh, in the war against the X-Men. She originally sides on with the X-Men, there's a lot of backstory to this. I'm kind of giving you more cliff notes because, again, we could go on forever about each one of these characters. We could dig and dig and dig and keep giving it to you. She realizes uh, the error in her ways, and she ends up joining the Avengers to then help stop this war and get on the good side of things. So after joining the Avengers, uh, she meets an individual that if you're watching WandaVision, you've met and you've seen and you know that they're married. Uh, she marries Vision, the, what do we call him? He's not a cyborg. He's, he's like a, an android. He's an android, yeah. So he's android. Uh, that is fueled by the Soul Stone. She begins studying real magic, real uh, dark stuff, uh, combined with her natural mutant abilities. Brings her to the point where she has the ability to defeat a big baddie, which we saw in the MCU movie Doctor Strange, Dormammu. So in the comic books, Scarlet Witch has the ability to take down one of the bigger bad guys that exists. So after this, uh, in temporary bouts of insanity, she creates imaginary children. Imaginary to an extent where she created them with her powers, and then they exist. Brian, if I overstep at any point or make an error, I want you to step in. and Because while I'm good, you're great at this stuff. <laughs> so you, you're my autocorrect. No, you're, you've been very straightforward. At this point, when she makes the children, I believe she is married to Vision. They do get married at some point. Yep, so she is married. She is married before she starts studying the magic. So yep. she's married, they're together, and then in temporary bouts of insanity, she creates these children. So at this point, so Vision tried to seize control of every computer on the planet. And in that, the United States was like, hey, we're not big fans of that. So they dismantle Vision. They tear him apart. And after they do that, they put him back together. And in a, in a combination with Wanda's craziness and Vision then being put back together, the U.S. puts him back together, but they rebuild him without any emotions. He is now at this point a robot. He's no longer an android. He's just a robot. He is what he is. He's all metal. He's no love. Um, they end up getting divorced. So when they get divorced, this doesn't bode well for anybody because it leads into the complete and utter breakdown of Wanda's mental state. Uh, she destroys Avengers Mansion. She uh, kills some of the teammates in the process. And this leads into the storyline of the House of M. That whole thing is Avengers disassembled. So literally the Avengers disbanding after Scarlet Witch has her breakdown, but also... Like Scarlet Witch, not only herself, but making other members of the Avengers literally disassemble the team. So She-Hulk is on the team at this point, and She-Hulk is different than the Hulk where she has control of her powers. So she's she's big and green and strong, but she's... All her mental capacities She's are like Hulk in Endgame, essentially, yeah. like right off the Professor bat. Professor Hulk, totally awesome Hulk, Amadeus yes. Cho. So Scarlet Witch is like, nope gonna take that out and then like she hulk turns into the big range raging hulk and kills a bunch of the avengers 
I think like Hawkeye and Ant-Man and a couple others are amongst the unfortunate ones that the expendables that end up uh, getting taken down at the end of the book. I remember, I don't remember the climax, but I remember at the end when Scarlet Witch is like unconscious, I, don't, I think it's just out of exhaustion. Magneto comes and takes her because the Avengers are like, what do we do with her? Like after she's done all this, like how do we control her? Like what can we do? And then Magneto drops from the sky and he's like, give her to me. And like, you can tell that it's not like a, I'm angry at you. Like it's a sad Magneto. That's like, I need to take my daughter and I need to take care of her, which then leads into. So my notes here, the house of M was from 2005. It was an eight issue limited series Uh, from the breakdown. Scarlet, Witch also tries to recreate her lost children. Magneto and Quicksilver play huge roles in this storyline. It's based out of earth five, eight, one, six, three. And it's a huge warped reality. She basically changes the whole landscape of everything, leading to Magneto ruling the world. So he's running the show at this point in House of M. Not only that, I believe everyone is a mutant in this reality, in this world. Everyone has powers. There's not like one normal person. And the only person that remembers the real world and knows like who they are and what's really going on is Wolverine. So you fo- he's a big character in this storyline, too. You follow him being like, the hell's going on? Like, he wakes up in a field and then, like, is immediately... I've had plenty of those wanting. mornings. Yep. <laughs> but he's eventually, like, being... Like, immediately being hunted down because, like, they realize that, oh, hey... He knows too much. He knows too much. So... So House of M leads into M Day, where Scarlet Witch basically removes the mutant gene and powers from almost everybody in the world. She's able to take it all away. Dr. Doom comes in because she's, again, trying to recreate her children. He helps her channel her power, but it's so overpowered that it basically drives her crazy again. Um, And then Dr. Doom steals her powers, thinking that he has the ability to harness it. Doom couldn't handle the powers either. So, again, we just continue to see again and again and again and again in the movies and the comics. Scarlet Witch, she's a badass. She's a heavy hitter. It was only a matter of time that they got her involved in the MCU because even in the realm of mutants, she's up there as far as powerful mutants go. As far as, like, just powerful Marvel characters in general, Mm -hmm. I'm just curious to know where her arc is going to go in the MCU and how long her arc is going to be because WandaVision right now is tackling a lot of these main storylines that we're talking about right here. She's going to be involved in Spider-Man and Dr. Strange. But then after that, like there's no word of yet of where she's going to pop up next, if she's going to pop up anywhere. So that's what I'm curious about. Um, WandaVision while it had a slow start, it's got my full attention. Like, it, it's definitely turned into that show where it's like, all right, it needs to be Friday because I want to know what's happening now. I'm very much glad we rescinded our comments 
about the first two episodes, especially now. <laughs> like, holy cow, because we could have gotten basically somebody could have came in and listened to this and been like, shut it off. You're not nerds. You're nobody. Get out of here and be done after what we had to say about uh, WandaVision to what it led to, because I was basically running around my living room in the last two minutes of WandaVision last week. It was just insane. We don't want to. We're not giving it away. We're doing. We're doing Mando. Same thing. We're gonna give you guys little bits and pieces. But again, uh, once this show is over, we'll give it like a month or two, and then we'll talk about it. So, not to get away from it, uh, we'll continue going through it. Do you have anything more for the House of M or M Day to add to it? No, I have a little bit more to Scarlet Witch to add, but otherwise, we've basically covered basically. what I've read. But. Later in the comics, the Avengers Battle of the X-Men. It's based around the Phoenix Force. So Hope Summers and Scarlet Witch together erase the Phoenix Force. So they get rid of it. They wipe it uh, out of existence. And in that, um, they repower all the mutants again. So everybody gets their powers back. It basically reverts all the things of M-Day while she joins the Avengers. So now this is where it gets tricky. So... We know Pietro Maximoff is Wanda's brother. And we have known up until a certain point that Magneto is their father. While fighting the Red Onslaught, Pietro and Wanda find out that Magneto is not their dad. Oh. So their father, they find out, is the High Evolutionary. He is a character who first appears in Thor 134. In the 1920s at Oxford University, Herbert Wyndham uses a, a self-created accelerator on himself that basically gives him this, th- these powers that creates the high evolutionary. He creates a humanoid army called the Knights of Wondagore, and he actually helps beat Ultron in the comics. So oh. the high evolutionary helps beat Ultron, and he actually was the guy, while everything was going on with M-Day, he was the one who actually gave Magneto his powers back during M-Day, because he was also one of the mutants that got his powers taken away, but the High Evolutionary was the one who was able to give them back to him. Even I'm learning things with this podcast. So that's a little tidbit, (laughs) tucked, tucked deep, deep in a way that this is the kind of stuff you can expect from Comics Corner. I didn't feel like we should have a catch for like a a catchy jingle for it, but that's what I want to call this is Comics Corner, because we, as much as we talk about comic books, we really don't deep dive into a lot of books or or characters and i think this is our first real deep dive into some of these characters and i know you had more to say as well this is the end of my notes the only other thing that i had to add was it is interesting that scarlet witch is kind of half and half you know her from the x-men where she started from but you she's also a big part of the avengers like she is part of the second team ever of avengers so after your originals of captain america iron man hulk ant-man and the wasp and thor after all of them pretty much are like yep we're done we're gonna go off and do our own thing the only one that sticks around is captain america and his team consists of people who are bad guys so it's four people hawkeye and then quicksilver and scarlet witch So she's part of like that introduction of bringing in some like reforming some bad guys. Rehabilitating. Yes. Into heroes. Well, if I'm not mistaken, she then was a part of the West Coast Avengers too, right? 
I believe her and Vision, yes, were on right. They both went over to the West Coast at some point, but I I find it interesting that that's where that was her start was on that team that was villains and readers were not very warm to it at first. And the smart thing about that run was that that was a plot point in the story was civilians, regular people hated the Avengers because they were all bad guys. They were confused. Why are the bad guys here causing more problems? So that was the only other bit of tidbit that I had about Scarlet Witch from my background comic book knowledge that I find interesting. We've talked about it before. We've talked about some information now. I think one of the coolest uh, scenes, there's two huge scenes, I think, for the Scarlet Witch in the MCU. And both of them regard her power, like exactly what she has. So Vision, I think we'll get into later because I think we really need to discuss that character as well because after talking, looking all, looking into all the Scarlet Witch stuff, I think it's pertinent to talk about Vision maybe next week or the following week because WandaVision is happening. Vision is a very, 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 very strong character. I mean, for God's sakes, he's fueled by one of the Infinity Stones. So he is a, extremely a powerful character. And I think the first taste of Wanda's real power that we see is when she literally sends Vision not six feet deep, sends him careening basically to the core of the earth when they're like, oh, no, Wanda, you shouldn't leave the compound. And she's like, get out of my way in Civil War and just literally sends him through the concrete and the crust of the earth and sends him down. Vision is not someone to be trifled with. And she basically treats him like a rag doll and puts him in a... At that point, too, he was so transparent. Like, his will, things could go through him, and even he couldn't stop that. So that was one. And then the second one, and this has been talked about by the writers and directors and and basically everybody, and it's been referenced in WandaVision. If it wasn't for Thanos bringing down the Hellfire from the ship onto Earth, Wanda would have killed him in that standoff when she goes, you took everything from me. And he's like, I don't even know who you are. And you can see it in his eyes when he's, when she starts in on him, he's like, Oh crap, this is it. And I think my wife had a real uh, love for this character and infatuation. But that moment was when she's like, that's my girl. I'm going to war for her. I'm in love with her. When she finally dubbed, She's never dubbed any. She's not a big before the MCU movie. She wasn't a comic book person like us or whatever. I think she finally dubbed her favorite superhero in that moment was when she was about to tear him apart, and he's like, oh, "I'm the baby, you save me," and he fires down the cannons, and that's what ends up, you know, preventing it from happening. Those two scenes, I think, again. There's other moments where we see her tweak with the minds of a lot of people, and and that can be really scary. But I think just overall real raw power, those two scenes are ones that always really stick out to me to just show you what the Scarlet Witch can really bring to the table if necessary. Time to pop into the phone booth, take off the underoos, and strap on the jock straps because it's time for the Chattelac Checkdown. <laughs> Folks, there's only one thing we could possibly talk about this week. Dum, 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 dum. Tom Brady, 
wins his seventh Super Bowl ring. Wow, coming. While like, we hate him, already. while we hate <laughs> him, we talked about it last week. You hate to see him win, but you have to show the guy some respect. He always does it with class. He continues to do it. He leaves where everyone thought it was a safety net of Bill Belichick and the Patriots. He goes to a team that was seven and nine before, adds a couple of pieces, and wins a Super Bowl. The Tampa Bay defense was a huge part of that. Tampa Bay shuts down Mr. The Frog. I am Patrick the Mahomes. They shut him down. Uh, A lot of it had to do with the defense. Patrick Mahomes did not look like Patrick Mahomes. One, maybe two interceptions. Uh, It just wasn't his day. He didn't look good. I mean, Tampa Tommy throws for three TDs and two and a ring. He gets he gets the ring. Rob Gronkowski had two touchdowns. You would think we're talking about a Super Bowl from six years ago. No, right. we're talking about last weekend. The Tampa Bay defense looked great. The Tampa Bay offense looked great, especially Tom Brady. Gronk gets two TDs. The Super Bowl ends nine to thirty-one. No. It was not an entertaining Super Bowl. No, to it, say the least. It was. If if you're a Tampa Bay fan or a Tom Brady fan. It was fun to watch, watch them rack up points. But after the first half, even if you watched into the third quarter, it got to a point where it was just like, all right, enough, enough. I get it. The guy's great. The guy is arguably the GOAT of the NFL. It's just hard to watch, even if you like him, the same guy win again and again and again and again and again. Well, I think, wasn't it the beginning of the third quarter when I texted you? And I was like, that's game right there. What It was like a turnover or a touchdown When or you something. text me, I already had the game off. Yep. I had already turned it off. What else is there to say? The things that you look for in a Super Bowl, even outside of football, commercials were fine. Fine, but nothing like... I like the Allstate one with the uh, like the doubles where it was the, Rogers, I look like oh, you. Yeah, yeah. And he was in the cardigan. And then Paul Patrick Rudd. Mahomes was Paul Rudd. <laughs> if you didn't know, it's the reason that they picked him is he's a huge Kansas City Chiefs fan. Like, huge. <laughs> Sorry, the pipes from my toilet run across the top of the studio. So somebody's taking a dumper right now. And then at the end, it was like, well, you guys, you know, at least you guys have doubles. I, I don't even have a double. And it's Drake for the State Farm guy. Which, can we talk about, so many times all the State Farm commercials are just average people. That that State Farm guy is cut. Yeah. He is just jacked. The first time I recognized it was when um, it's uh, he's playing fetch with Aaron Rodgers' dog. He's like standing in that t-shirt and it's like, bro, they make bigger shirts. <laughs> so that one was good. The other one I thought was really funny was the Ashton Kutcher, Mila Kunis, uh, yes. Shaggy Cheeto commercial. Yep. I thought that one was really funny. Plus, they committed to it, and Ashton Kutcher sings like through the whole thing, and he doesn't get any help from Auto Tune or anything. No, no. Uh, so that one was really fun. I really enjoyed those two commercials, but outside of that, it was a, it was a little flat. Yeah, those were your main standouts. Even Falcon and Winter Soldier was like ten seconds, and then they're like, "Go online and watch the full trailer." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> I was expecting Disney. You don't have enough money. Like Disney, you can't put the whole thing. That's what I was expecting. I was expecting more Disney trailers, not just you know all of the Marvel shows coming out. But I was expecting a Loki trailer. I was expecting you know a reminder that hey, Black Widow is coming out like at some point, hopefully in May. But even like the Star Wars shows that are coming out, even just the regular Disney movies that are coming out. 
the um, investors call blew their load. Mm -hmm. Like we know this is coming, but show us something to remind us during the Super Bowl. But didn't even get that. So besides a lackluster performance from the Chiefs, the weekend at the halftime show <laughs> and the commercials, we did get a guest appearance from the Court of Owls in the halftime performance. <laughs> you sent me that text. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was a handful of drinks deep and you sent me that. I was just like, oh my gosh. So <laughs> if you send me the meme, it's like, Gotham, you have 24 hours to give up the Batman and all yes. the guys with the plastic surgery masks on. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> so for listeners who don't know, Court of Owls is a Batman storyline. A huge Batman storyline in the comics that has not come to fruition in any other form of media. No, but it focuses on old politics of Gotham and like the corruptness of the forerunners of Gotham City. They wear these white masks and they call themselves the Court of Owls. And that is exactly what it looked like on the TV screen last Sunday. <laughs> but... Besides Tom Brady, there was one true athlete on the field that day that made me a hundred bucks. So about two hours before the game started, one of my work acquaintances, as he would claim it, I'll call him a friend. He may not say that. Uh, sent me a link. He goes, hey, Venmo this guy 10 bucks. You can get in on prop bets. For those of you who are sports fans, you know what prop bets are. For those of you fellow nerds out there, you don't know what prop bets are. So prop bets are all the fun betting of the game uh will the anthem go longer than this time or shorter than this time who will be the first person to spit out their mouth guard on tv after halftime uh, you know what will be the color of the gatorade dumped on the winning coach it's all these fun things you know that have nothing really to do with the game one of the prop bets was will a fan enter the field of play anytime during the game you could choose no and receive 10 points if you're correct which is most likely 99% correct. You get 10 points for it. But being a betting man, if you chose yes, you received 392 points. So my choices were to lose out on 10 points or lose out on 392 points. I figured 10 points wouldn't swing me that much. I go 392. At halftime, they put out the scores for the prop bets. I was in third to last place. There was no chance of me winning. And seeing as how Tom Brady was putting a shellacking on the Chiefs, I shut the game off. I turned on something else the wife and I had watched. And a small amount of time later, I received a text into the group chat of the prop bets. Oh, Chad Coffin corner punt just won the pot. And I was just like, what? And I open it up. And sure enough... The prop bet of 392 points. I was the only person out of 25 <laughs> people to say yes. How do you not take 392 against 10? Are you kidding me? I was the only person who took it. So rather than being in last place at the end of the Super Bowl for prop bets, I took first place and won $100. So Vegas also had a prop bet for a streaker on the field or a fan on the field of plus 750. For those of you who don't bet on games, that's a large odd. That is, it's hard to possibly get that to happen. The gentleman who ran out onto the field put down a $50,000 bet on that plus 750. 
The guy literally bet on himself. So in a planned attack, his friend runs onto the field first and gets swarmed by security. And then the second guy runs onto the field, gets on the field, gets his Borat style G-string and runs all the way across the field and gets taken down. The next morning, how dare he, after spending a night in the drunk tank, has to pay a $1,000 bail or fine or whatever it is. And then he heads over to the sports book and collects his $375,000. The guy bets on himself. He must have done enough research to realize he wasn't really going to get thrown in jail or prison or how much it was going to cost. The guy clears $374,000 for running on the field naked. Partially naked. He didn't even show his wiener. <laughs> he made more money than I'll see in like probably a decade because he bet on himself. Even if he is a decent human being and gives his partner half the money, that's still more money than I'll probably ever see too. Almost 200K. Yeah. Yep. Good on you. <laughs> I was excited at first because he had made me a hundred bucks. But then the guy made that much money. And to be fair, if you're out there and you're listening, anonymous streaker, I bet on you too. And I think I deserve a little more than a hundred bucks. And I promise whatever you give me, I will invest right into this podcast. We'll get real. We'll get all the good stuff, real mics, real headsets, a, a switchboard, everything. So if you're listening, Super Bowl 55 streaker, the Midwestern nerds support your decision. And that, is the end of your Chattelac Checkdown. And that means we're headed into the best stop recommendations for the week. Brian, do you want to kick us off? I can kick us off, sure. So No, they're not going to kick off because it's not sports anymore. So you can... Uh, kick back. Kick back. That doesn't sound right either. Just give us a recommendation. <laughs> So my recommendation for this week is actually what is going on in the DC Comics universe right now. So this big event just wrapped up that was called Death Metal, which kicked off another... I feel like it's an event, but it's kind of setting the status quo of the DC universe. And it is called DC's Future State. So the end of Death Metal kind of rewrote the DC universe. And this takes place like a few years after that. And like a futuristic type, almost feels like an Elseworld story. The main titles that I'm reading are the Bat titles right now. So there's a new Batman. There's the Dark Detective, which follows Bruce Wayne's story. And then I'm also reading the Nightwing spinoff of this. So in Gotham City, in this event, this future state, it's basically run like a police state. The mayor of Gotham City hires mercenaries, like police mercenaries, to clean up the streets. Vigilantes are the main problem in Gotham City right now, so we're going to take out villains, we're going to take out heroes. It's illegal to wear a mask. Since this takes place in like a futuristic type world, there's cameras and drones everywhere. So Bruce Wayne gets found out right away that he's Batman. They take him out. There's a new Batman now who 
wears a full mask, not just like the mask where his mouth is open and everything. I have commented more than once about how stupid that mask is, especially with a villain like Deadshot. It's got it's got the outline of where you should see like his human mouth, but now there's like a black covering over it. You cannot see his face. Good, thank God. At all. Both that and then the dark detective. So the magistrate is like the police force that's running Gotham City basically right now and has Gotham City in this like police state. They think they've killed off the real Batman, Bruce Wayne, but they haven't. He's alive. He doesn't have his money anymore. He's basically going off of his skills and his and his wit and his knowledge to survive. He's wearing just a t-shirt. He's got like a, a makeshift mask on, no cape, like some combat boots and army Come army pants. Daredevil and style. Like. A little bit, yeah. But he's living with like this crazy guy that's like that thinks everybody's watching them and turns out, yeah, everybody's <laughs> watching them. Um he doesn't have any of his gadgets. He doesn't have any of his money, any of his resources. And everybody thinks he's dead. So he's literally like a shadow that's trying to stop the magistrates. So those are like the two main ones that I'm reading right now. It's good. I'm hoping that it continues on past like this event into like the new DC status quo to then have the potential to be great. The only reason why it's good right now is they're the way that they're releasing these. So they're releasing them in like oversized issues that are like eight bucks a piece. But each issue has like two to three other stories that are focusing on other characters. And while the main story with like the new Batman and then the dark detective are good, it's like these offshoot stories of like the Arkham Knight and like her band of villains that are trying to take out the police and like, side characters like that where they have the potential to be good but they're just not written very well at all and these side stories oftentimes like contradict the main stories that are going on to where you're it's kind of confusing because it's like wait a minute how like the arkham knights they're not based in arkham asylum because it was taken over by the police but then Nightwing has his base in Arkham Asylum. And it's like, wait a minute. How are you... Like, how does that work out? Keep your enemies there, close. There are some things that it's <clears throat> confusing of where they take place in this time period. Whether they take place, like, before or after some of these main events. Like, that's where the side stories kind of muddle it. To the point where I'm paying $8 for, like, an issue but I don't want to read three-fourths of the book. All right, you only need $3 worth of that book. I At this point, I maybe even need just $2 of this book, depending on how big the main story arc is. Sure. So that is where it falls kind of short. But you're still best-stopping it? I am, because it, it is good. And I feel like it it is building up to the new status quo. Because the new Batman and the Dark Detective are only four issues long. And we're three issues into them now. And it's to the point where, like, it doesn't feel like it's wrapping up. So I'm hoping that this is just the kickstart into, like, the new status quo for DC. So if we do get a Dark Detective ongoing series and we do get a new Batman ongoing series, 
I would suggest like that's where I would best stop it, but I'm best stopping future state because it's a good jumping on point for non DC people. I don't go out of my way and read a whole lot of DC. Mm-hmm. Batman's usually like my go-to. And even that, like I haven't read current Batman stuff and I don't know how long. Except the three jokers. Except for the three jokers. That was like the one book in I think the last that was six a, years. That was like an event book though. Yes. So this is like an else world story. Like you don't really need to know a whole lot of the DC backstory, the back history. Like DC Comics is very convoluted and makes you feel like you need to know everything. This isn't like that. They pretty much set the scene right off the bat and every issue of what you need to know. And as just as long as you know like basics about the majority of your characters, you should be fine. So that is my best stuff for the week. Excellent. My best stuff is something new to me. So I haven't been big into Audible yet. I listen to a lot of podcasts, but I really wanted to get into books more. I want to read more, but I always find myself struggling to be focused because when I'm reading a book, I'm like, oh, I could just turn the TV on. It's right there. Oh, my phone is right there. So I've used Audible the same way I use podcasts when I'm vacuuming, laundry, my drives to work, uh, dishes, things like that, where I already am focused on something, but I can listen to something. So I'm trying to get involved in more books. And one of the first ones I dove into was Joe Schreiber's Death Troopers. So yes, it is a Star Wars book. It combines great parts of Star Wars with a horror thriller. So I don't want to bury the lead. I don't want to give too much away. It starts a little slow. It starts on a basically the barge, a giant prison ship that's traveling across the galaxy because it's such a large ship. It can't use hyperspeed, so it's just slowly moving across the galaxy to get to the prison planet on the other end, uh, you know, way out on the outer rim. So you're learning about characters slowly and things like that. And then they come across a Star Destroyer. But when they scan it, this whole Star Destroyer that often, or in most cases, holds upwards of 80,000 people on it, troopers and, and everybody who may be on it, has zero life forms on it. Just loosely floating in the middle of a galaxy. And that is where the story takes a huge turn and gets crazy exciting. Even after that, you get about halfway through the book, and then they loop in two super cool, super important Star Wars characters, fan favorites, if you will, that get you even more engaged into the book. It is a wild thrill ride. If you're into horror thriller books, it's like a combination of uh, Star Wars and Stephen King just smashed together. It was such a fun, I don't want to say read, listen, I got away from it for a little while. I listened to like the first probably third of it, got away from it. And then the back two thirds of it were just, it was a race. I could not get enough of it. Every second at work, I'm plugging in my buds when I'm working on the computers at home, even if it's a short uh, drive from work, you know, three, four minutes. I got to get my three, four minutes of Death Troopers. So I would highly recommend uh, Death Troopers on Audible by Joe Schreiber. Plus the guy who narrates it, he does an awesome job. His name is um, Sean Kennan. He narrates a couple other Joe Schreiber books and a couple other Star Wars books. He does voices for the characters. He's really ominous when it needs to be ominous. He's lighthearted when it needs to be lighthearted. But he does such a great job with the book. I think, And that's probably part of the reason that I liked it so much. 
whenever I read a book, it's always in my own voice. But when I have somebody else reading it to me, I think it can make it more fun. So if you're on Audible, check it out. If you're not on Audible, use it as your first free download. Oh, friends, I promise I'll, I'll leave you without another terribly corny joke. But again, Dealing we're with an off an off base, base character obscure. that nobody knows about. Yes. <laughs> We are the Midwesterners. That's M I D W E S T E R N E R D S. We are at Midwesterners on Twitter, Instagram, at gmail.com. We're also the Midwesterners podcast on Facebook. We stream on a bevy of different streaming sites. We had an awesome week. I think this is one of the first times in a while we really nerded out with you guys. We really got to dive into a character and show you our comic book prowess. We got to show you what we know. I hope we didn't hurt your brains too much with all of the background information that we packed in there. But if there's anything that we missed, anything you want to know more about, or just more characters in general, or background comic book knowledge that you would like to know more about, reach out to us, hit us up on that social media, and we'll be more than happy to fill in those gaps of knowledge for you. Yeah, if you're sitting down watching a movie or a TV show and you're like, oh my gosh, this guy came in and left in a second, I know nothing about him, we want to sit down and we want to break it down for you. We sit down every Friday and we give you everything you want that's nerdy. So why not tell us what you want so we can give it to you? It's like an a la carte of nerdiness. And as always, for your Midwestern nerds, I'm Chad Coffin. And I'm Brian Stoffel. And whether it's beer, brats, comics, or pops, keep, keep it nerdy. nerdy.